Okay, welcome to the third edition of Data Stack Show Debrief. And Costas and I were just commenting on the blurred background, which I actually think the fidelity is pretty good for both of us. Yeah, My background's right. slightly moodier from yeah, a light. Yours look, looks much more blurry than mine for some reason. Uh, hmm. I think it's lighting. Yeah, you're a more uh, dark kind of person. I'm. I'm the light of this show. That's, That's right. Yes. We're talking about like <laughs> darkness in my heart. <laughs> okay. So this is a, this is something that I was, uh, I was wait, I, I couldn't wait for the debrief. So we've talked with people from some really cool companies. So Uber, Netflix, amazing technologies have emerged from those companies a lot of cool technology has emerged from Facebook, but it seems like it's it's just not quite as, it, it doesn't show up as much in conversation at the very least, at least on the show among our audience. And is that because they're embroiled in so much controversy, right? I mean, of course, Uber has controversy, but there are some things from a leadership standpoint, there's all of the on the ground, like legal implications of the actual delivery of the service and employment. But Facebook is embroiled in all sorts of controversy around content. They get deeply involved in politics because of the nature of what's being shared on the platform. And so just, I, I, and for me, being a little bit of an outsider to the data space, hearing that Presto came out of Facebook was a, a little bit novel to me, I guess, because I've come to expect to hear that those technologies emerge from other companies but Casas, you have seen the space emerge. So um, what's your take on that? Yeah. Okay. Presto is a very interesting piece of technology in terms of like how it has uh, matured. And it's not new. It's been around for a while. And I mean, okay, I knew that it was coming from, from Facebook. What I didn't know was all this story around Trino, how Trino came up, how the the governance of the project broke into two different projects and all that stuff. Sure. So I would say that okay, from on one side, I think that like probably Facebook didn't manage uh, that part very well. How they manage like the governance of the project and all these things that are very very important when it comes like to large scale sure. uh, open source projects. On the other hand, I think that one of the reasons that we didn't hear until now that much about Presto is because it took a while for Presto to become, how to say that, something that makes sense to be used outside of very large enterprises. Hmm. And I think that's something that's from the conversation that we had with Justin. And if you hear what Justin was saying was that we started with Hadoop, right? And we had to wait until today to have the data lake at the level of maturity where Presto or Trino or Starburst can actually be used on top of that to sure. become like the query engine that it's going yeah. to, to do the analytics. So I think because of the nature of the project itself that was stateless in a way, like it didn't have storage, it never like was a complete database product, right? As uh, Snowflake was, it had to wait until all these data lake related technologies matured enough to become much more available. And I think that we will start hearing more and more about this project, especially yeah. as part of like the 
the, this data mesh movement where it naturally fits because of the decentralized nature of the technology. Yeah, well, it's certainly something we're hearing more among Rudderstack customers, right? Like Presto's requirement is coming up more and more. I think on the other side of the conversation, React actually is something that came out of Facebook that has widespread adoption. It's it's less in the realm of the show in terms of data processing, et cetera, but certainly a technology that has, has seen widespread adoption that came out of Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have uh, quite a few, let's say, important uh, like open source projects. I think I think RocksDB was also comes from them. Mm. Uh, but they have. I mean, if someone goes to their open source repositories, there are like there, there's a big wealth of like very interesting projects that uh, sure. come from uh, from them. Okay, of course, not all of them are as relevant as Presto or like React, for example, which is okay, yeah, yeah. probably the dominant framework to do front-end development but yeah i think i think there was some kind of like mismanagement around press yeah yeah well i was reading of course there's the famous quote someone at facebook said the greatest minds of our generation are are figuring out how to try to get someone to click on an ad which is is certainly a drastic oversimplification (laughs) but great for a podcast debrief to bring that quote up but but it is interesting to think about Presto and React and then a number of other things that really the world is benefiting from in many ways as a result of, I guess, those great minds trying to get you to click on uh, click on a Facebook ad. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. So uh, second question, because we're running up on time here on the debrief. I don't, do we have a, I don't know if we have a time on these books, probably for our mental health and other people's mental health, we should keep it to like five minutes, but Data mesh, do you have any updated thoughts on data mesh? I mean, subjective, somewhat controversial. I feel I have a little bit more clarity, but what's the cost of stake? We probably need like a full episode with Justin to discuss about it. It's still a vague concept for me. It would be interesting probably at some point outside of vendors who are part, let's say, of this data mesh pattern or whatever, to also find someone to chat with who has actually implemented the data mesh architecture mm. and yeah. get some insights from there. It's early. There is a reason that it exists, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm not saying like something against data meshes, but it's something that needs more clarity. And I think we should try in this show to bring this clarity in this concept, for this concept. Yeah, absolutely. Brooks, mark it down. We need someone who has implemented <laughs> implemented a data mesh. Casas, any other takeaways? I, I mean, that was a fun show. Super interesting and ah, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing when you get to chat with people that they were doing data ten years ago, and they are like, okay, serial entrepreneurs in a way because it's like this the second company that's uh, yeah. he's building. Sure. Um, it's very interesting, like to hear the perspective from these people that they have lived like like both eras, let's say, of like this market. So it was a very very interesting perspective, and like I really want to thank him. Thank thanks Justin for that. Like both what he said about ETL, or the description that he gave about the landscape, talking about how. Snowflake, you can think of it as the Teradata of today, Fivetran, mm. like the um, Informatica, which makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. yeah. 
For sure. And those are great ones. But like it takes for someone who has lived through all these iterations of the market to have this kind of insights. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, one thing actually, we're just going to run this one long since it's our only, it's only our, th- our third one, but the iterable snowflake connection that you mentioned and mm-hmm. Justin's insight that they're probably also running on snowflake I, w- was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure like Justin, it'd be interesting to talk to him just about that subject. Mm-hmm. I think that that dynamic will create a massive market in and of itself, just within the Snowflake ecosystem, right? So like, if you think about all the companies that are using Snowflake as a data warehouse, and then you think about being able to integrate with other companies who are, however they're doing it, but presumably running Snowflake on the back end, uh, so that you have a, almost like a marketplace data mart that's readily accessible in your cloud data warehouse, like, I agree with Justin in that, like, that's not the end all be all in terms of the broader data stack when it comes to the complexity faced by Fortune 500 companies. But without a doubt, that's going to be a huge market in and of itself and, and hot take on the debrief. I think a huge way that Snowflake grows significantly in the next five years, just because that type of functionality is, is, is pretty huge. Yeah, actually, I would suggest to our listeners to go and read like the first pages of the S1 filing of Snowflake, because that's exactly what they describe there. Yeah. And the way that they describe it is by using the term network effects. And that's exactly what they're trying to create with yeah. this data sharing mechanism, because yeah. suddenly you get... Iterable that has its own customers that they have a good reason to also use Snowflake and you create like some very, very strong network effects there that if you manage to implement them and create them, yeah, like it's going to be probably much more, how to say that, much more impressive compared to what like Teradata managed to do on the market. Yeah. I don't think that it's easy to do it. Especially when on the other side, you have all this openness that comes with all these open uh, source projects. And of course, companies, especially the big companies, they know exactly what vendor locking means, right? So it remains to be seen if they are going to succeed in this vision. But it's amazing to, to see how clear the vision is and how they execute on this vision of going from a data warehouse to a data cloud that has network effects, which is amazing. Like it's yep. very, very impressive from a, like a business strategy perspective. For sure. Frank Slutman. No wonder the Rudder Stack CEO went to work for him out of factory school. One point on that though, that I will say that's interesting, which is some, in some sense, uh, history repeating itself, or maybe the beginning signs of it is marketing and marketing slash go-to-market data tend to be the tip of the spear when it comes to data technology because the needs there create a significant amount of demand within an organization. We've talked about this with a concept of CDPs where it's like, okay, well, the initial CDPs actually focus on like marketing execution and customer journey engagement when in reality, the original tent was customer data across the entire stack. And my sense is that you're starting to see that with the network effects that Snowflake is trying to create with a marketplace concept. 
a lot of the big initial data set availability or integrations relate directly to marketing. And I'm not surprised by that, but it's really interesting to see history repeating itself from that regard in terms of marketing and and go-to-market data being the tip of the spear. Maybe that's just, I'm projecting my... (laughs) my own experience on that. So check me if that's not accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and okay, that's what I'm going to say. It might sound like a little bit controversial to some people, but when it comes like to technological progress, there are like two major drives behind it that we humans don't want to talk that much about them. One is marketing and the other is porn. Which there's a, that Venn diagram overlaps a lot. You don't have to go into detail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there are like some very, actually outside of like joking, but like, I mean what I'm saying, that like the, the, there is this very interesting fact about Betacam versus VHS in the eighties and VHS winning because it was adopted by the porn industry. Sure. So outside of like, okay, like the, the, the moral or whatever, like issues of like this conversation, there are some very strong drives behind technology and yeah, marketing is one of them for sure. Like it's, yeah. it's the first reason that someone is looking for data. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it here in this debrief. That was probably longer than five minutes, but, but great. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the Data Stack Show. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast network. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube here where you're watching this video. Lots more interesting content coming up. Mm-hmm.